We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Malachi chapter number three, we'll begin reading in verse number seven of the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter number three and verse seven, even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations, or and all nations rather, shall call you blessed. For ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. We noted the phrase a few weeks ago in verse number 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That's been the subject of our study for the last three weeks. And in this study, we've noted two things previously. Number one, uh, the controversy concerning the tithe. God had a controversy with his people. He said, return unto me. And they said, wherein shall we return unto you? What, what, what do you mean return to you? Where, where, in what area of our lives have we drifted from you? And God said, in the matter of tithes and offerings. He introduced this controversy to them when he said this, will a man rob God? Imagine that question. And they said, wherein have we robbed thee? And the Lord said, in tithes and offerings. So we looked at the controversy concerning the tithe, God's controversy with his people, that they would withhold from him tithes and offerings and that they would rob him. We also looked at the controversy surrounding the tithe in the sense that there are those today who would uh, seek to perhaps excuse their responsibility to give and honor the Lord in their giving by saying, well, that was a commandment of the law and we're not under the law. And we looked at that passage and we saw in Genesis chapter number 14 that tithing was established before the law was established. We also looked into the New Testament. We saw that Jesus commended even the Pharisees for tithing. He reproved them for other things, but he commended them for their tithe. And so we've noted the controversy concerning the tithe. We determined and found out what the Word of God teaches about the tithe. The tithe is the tense. It belongs to the Lord. All that we have, we have because God has given it to us. And when we bring the tithe, we're bringing to God what he has allowed us to have of his, just a portion. And then God 
has promised to bless us and manage the portion that we have remaining and bless it in a mighty way. So we looked at the controversy concerning the tithe. Then last week, we looked at the cost of disobedience concerning the tithe. Notice in verse number 9, Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, we find here that God says, when you're disobedient to me in the matter of the tithe, it will cost something. Two things he gives us in verse number 9 and also in the beginning of verse number 10, we see that there is a loss of blessing. Ye are cursed with a curse. They had sowed the ground, but they weren't reaping the harvest. They were laboring, but they weren't keeping their wages. There was a loss of blessing. The second thing we see that is a cost of our disobedience concerning the tithe is the lack of bread in God's house. Look in verse 10, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. So there's a loss of blessing. There's a lack of bread. We understand symbolically that bread is speaking of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. We are sowers of the seed of the word of God. And as we sow the seed of God's word, as that seed produces fruit, that fruit produces food and people are sustained. The bread that people need is the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the responsibility of the church, therefore, to declare this message, to offer to the hungry the bread of life. Well, then thirdly, this morning, as we look in verse number 10, we have this thought, it's the title of this message, the confidence we have in bringing the tithe. The confidence we have in bringing the tithe. Why weren't the people tithing in the book of Malachi? Well, they had drifted away from God. They had grown cold and and indifferent in their worship and in their devotion to him. And they decided somewhere along the way that the tithe would be better off in their hands and their pockets. Maybe they wanted a new chariot or a new boat, a new house. We're not sure what it was, obviously, that motivated them. It was a number of things that motivated them. But nevertheless, they were not turning the tithe to the Lord. They were not returning it to him. They were keeping it for themselves. They perhaps were concerned that they couldn't manage without it. But what they were finding is they couldn't manage with it. Because when you keep that which belongs to God, you're robbing God and you will pay the cost, as we noted last week. So the Lord says in verse number 10, I I want to encourage you to do the right thing. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Now notice the next phrase in verse 10. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Give it a try. How about a trial subscription or a trial membership in the tithing club? This is what God is saying. Prove me. 
Take me at my word and prove me and note what will happen. I will open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. God says you can bring the tithe, you can bring it confidently to me, Try me, prove me, and I will bless you. I want you to note some things that we we learned from this passage this morning, and I hope you write them down. First of all, number one, bring the tithe with confidence in God's person. Bring the tithe with confidence in God's person. Who is it that has commanded us to bring the tithe? It's the Lord. It's not the prophet. Malachi didn't come up with this. Abraham didn't come up with this. Jacob didn't come up with this. The Lord came up with this. This is his idea. This is the way that we honor him. Remember now, worship is the right response to the revelation of God. Worship is not something that's subjective. I just worship God in the way that I want to. No, you worship God in the way that he prescribes. And as God reveals himself to us, he reveals to us how we're to respond to him. And so worship is the right response. And so part of our worship is giving, bringing the tithe and giving our offerings. And so the Lord says here, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. Notice this, please, and prove, what's the next word? Would you say it with me? Me. Prove who? Prove God. God is saying, put me to the test. Try me. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. God is speaking. And when God speaks, he speaks with authority. And when God speaks, he speaks in truth. He is not a man that he can lie. God performs his promises, and he says, prove me. He says, try me. God is inviting the people to try him, to put him to the test, and to trust him. Notice what he says in Exodus 20 when he revealed himself to his people in Exodus 20 and verse 2, in the law of God and the first commandment, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I want you to know who I am, he said, I am the Lord, I am God. There's no higher than God. He is the one who delivered the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And he is the one, if you know him this morning, if you know him as Savior, he is the one who has saved you from the bondage of sin and the flesh and the world. He has saved you from an eternity in hell. Jesus Christ is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He came to this earth and walked among us. He lived a perfect, sinless, righteous life. He went to the cross. He died on that cross, making the payment for your sin and mine. He arose again on the third day, victorious over death and hell and the grave, victorious and triumphant over sin to give eternal life to all who will believe. 
And so when he speaks, we, under, we need to understand who this is that's speaking to us. It is God. And God says, take me at my word. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis in the 14th chapter. Genesis chapter number 14. And in this passage, we have the first mention of the tithe in God's word, Genesis chapter 14. And we come to verse number 18, Genesis 14 and verse number 18. And the word of God says, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the most high God, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Now, let me, let me just give you a little backdrop here. Abram has come. He has come from the battle. Uh, if you remember his nephew Lot, who was living in Sodom, had been carried away captive. There was a confederation of nations, and they came against Sodom and, uh, and the other cities of the plain, and they invaded them, and they carried away captives. And Lot was among them. That's Abram's nephew. They carried away the spoil of those cities. And so Abram went after Lot to rescue him. He gathered his servants, he armed them, and they went out and they delivered uh, the captives from these armies. He brought back the captives and he brought back the spoil. So when Melchizedek pronounces the blessing on him in verse 20, and blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand, this is what he's speaking about. The fact that Abram had won the victory. So Abram pays the tithe, look at verse 21, and the king of Sodom, who was there, the king now has come, and said unto him, give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Abram says, no, I don't want your reward. Now, we know that Sodom and Gomorrah was a very wicked city. In fact, in just a few chapters, God brings destruction upon that city. And so for testimony's sake, Abram's saying, I don't want, I don't want anything that belongs to you. I am trusting in God. I don't want you to say that you've made me rich. It is God who has blessed me. Well, then we come to chapter 15. After Abram had turned down the reward of the king of Sodom, the Bible says that God came and spoke to him. Look in verse 1 of the 15th chapter. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, notice this please, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I can just imagine that maybe somebody saw the king of Sodom carrying off all that gold and all that silver and all those trinkets and treasures that Abraham could have had. And perhaps they said, Abram, you think you made a good decision there? I mean, that... that you deserved all that stuff. You're the one who went and fought for all that stuff. You should have taken it, but he didn't take it. Why? Because he wanted to honor God. And so the Lord comes to Abram, and he says, I want you to know, Abram, 
I'm thy shield. I'm your protector. I'm your protector. Who protects us in this life? It's the Lord Jesus. He's our protector. He has protected us from the wrath of God upon our sin. He is protecting us uh, from the attacks of Satan. God has, our, our son, uh, the Son of God, our precious Savior, he's our shield. He's our protector. But not only is he my protector, but he's my provider. He said, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. You see, there's something we learn here. It's not the gold that we need. It's God that we need. And I don't know how much gold you have, but you can have as much of God as you want to have. He is available to you. And the Lord Jesus said that he will never leave us nor forsake us. The Bible teaches us that in the moments of our difficulty and trial, that he is in the heavens interceding on our behalf. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We have a wonderful Savior, and he has promised to supply our every need. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, in the eighth chapter, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And if he has given to us his Son, shall he not also with him give us all things? Is there anything that God will withhold from his children? The answer is no. He has paid the ultimate price. He gave his life for us. And so we stand before him, as Abram did, with the understanding that our reward is him. He is our shield and our exceeding great reward. He's the God who made us. He is the God who, in spite of our sin, loves us. He is the God who sent his son to die on the cross for us. He is the one who went to Calvary and suffered and bled and died in our stead. He's the one who rose again. He is the one who imparted to us the truth and revealed to us his son and dealt with us by his spirit and drew us to himself and saved us from our sin, and gave us a home in heaven. He is the one who leads us. He is the one who feeds us. He is our reward. So what's 10% of my paycheck? It's just a way to honor him. And so as we think of the tithe, we can tithe with confidence in God's person. He's worthy, isn't he? That's really the question. Is he worthy? He is. Well, secondly, we can bring the tithe with confidence in God's provision. In God's provision. Well, you know, if I give up 10% of my income, they said to Malachi, then I won't be able to pay for my chariot. I won't be able to heat my house. I won't be able to send my kids to college. I'll have to skip my vacation. These are the things perhaps that were in their minds. But what they failed to see was that when they honor God, God would bless them and God would provide for them. Notice again in our passage, Malachi chapter 3, we heading that way. It'd be good advice for me to take myself this morning to get back into the text. Malachi chapter 3. And notice again in verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me, trust me, be confident in me, 
Now herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. God said you can trust in me, in my person, and you can trust in my provision, in my provision. God will provide for his people. He said, if you will obey me, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. That's the source of blessing. The source of our blessing is the Lord himself. And the Bible tells us that he will supply all of our need according to his riches in glory. God opens the windows of heaven and he rains down blessings upon us. He is the source of our blessing. The Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Remember the model prayer? And here was one of the statements they made or the Lord made in teaching those disciples to pray. This is one of his petitions. Give us this day, say it with me, our He's teaching them to look to God every day. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, we often don't pray that prayer, do we? Why? Because we just open the, the pantry door and there are things there. And why are they there? Because we can go to the grocery store and purchase those things. But what we don't realize is we wouldn't have access to all of those things if it weren't for God. And even if we had those things, we may not possess the strength to consume those things if it weren't for God. And we might not have the ability to go and labor and earn the money to purchase those things. We definitely wouldn't have that ability if it weren't for God. He is the source of our blessings. The Bible says in James 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. <laughs> That's heaven. And cometh down from the Father of lights. God bestows gifts upon us. He is the source of our blessing. But then we see something else in this passage. We see the showers of blessing. The showers of blessings. Now, those farmers knew all about rain. They needed rain. And they had planted their crops, but they weren't getting rain. And so their crops were not fruitful. They were not harvesting that which they had labored to harvest because God had not given the rain. And the reason he hadn't given the rain is because they had robbed him. And God said, but if you'll honor me, if you'll obey me, I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour you out a blessing. Now, rain is symbolic in the Bible. It's symbolic for blessing. It's also symbolic for judgment. In fact, in Genesis, the Bible says that God opened the windows of heaven and he poured out judgment and flooded the earth. But God is saying here, he's saying, I've withheld the rain because of your disobedience. God promised he'd never destroy uh, the world with a flood again. That's where he set the bow in the sky. That bow, by the way, that's God's idea, not some wicked man's idea. It's a symbol of God's covenant with mankind. It's a symbol of God's grace and his glory and his power, a symbol that's been twisted and perverted and used for wicked purposes. But God said, I, I'll, I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour out a blessing. And God said, I, I will bless you. 
And then the Bible says, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's the supply of blessing. The source of blessing is God. The showers of blessing, that's his hand of blessing on us. And the supply of blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. God said, I will bless you more than you can take in. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Look there with me. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. The Bible says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, some of you can remember the day when if you needed a cup of sugar or a cup of flour, you might go to your neighbor and say, can I borrow a cup of flour? I don't know if many people are willing to do that today. But that was a common thing years ago. If people needed something, they would borrow something. And when they would return, they would give it back not only what they had borrowed by taking of their own, but they would give more than what they borrowed. And oftentimes when they would give it back, they'd say, here is some for good measure. I want to give you the same quantity you loaned me and even more for good measure as a way of saying thank you for giving to me. But notice this is how God gives to us. He gives to us in good measure and then pressed down. You know, when you're filling a container full of things, oftentimes you'll press it down to make sure that you're maximizing uh, the space in, in, in the vessel so that you can get as much of whatever it is you're putting in there, as much of it as you possibly can. It's pressed down. And then shaken together. Sometimes the air gets in, and so you'll shake it and, and allow it to settle, Right? like a bag of chips. You, ever, you, you get a bag of chips, right? This big bag of chips. By the time it's been shaken in the truck, <laughs> that big bag of chips has about that many chips in it, right? And you might eat three and somebody will come along, look inside there and say, who ate all the chips? Well, there wasn't any in there in the beginning, right? I'm confessing some things, right? <laughs> Trying to deal with some domestic issues. <laughs> You shake it so it'll settle down. Again, what is God doing? He's giving good measure, pressed down, shaking together. And what's the next one? And running over. More than you can possibly handle. More than you can take in. That's how good God is to you. And it's not all just measured by dollars and cents. It's immeasurable. I, I as, as was announced earlier, they're going to have a little birthday shindig tonight. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I had my birthday this week, and um, I turned 55. And, and so I got an encouraging card from Mrs. DeLand letting me know that I am qualified for the young at heart. I qualified when I was 50, but I made a judicial decision, a governing decision to move the young at heart to 55. And now I'll have to have an emergency meeting with the cabinet and consider moving it to 60. 
A lot of encouraging words. This week on Tuesday, because we had the teacher convention, a number of the students had in, uh, in the elementary classes, really all the way through, had, had put together little notes and, and little things, and they brought them to me. And so my office in that hallway toward our administrative offices, it was sort of a revolving door. We had kids coming in and going all morning long, and they were singing to me, and they were handing me handwritten notes and beautiful cards they had made, and they were quoting Scripture, and they were singing songs, and it was more than I could take in. You ever been there? It's just more than I could take in. To see class after class come in and, 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 and wish me a happy birthday and, and bring me things and is, is a blessing. And then together with our family yesterday, and, uh, you know, we, we didn't have a very elaborate celebration. We had a public sandwich ring, which I recommend, by the way. And uh, we had some chips and some cookies. That's about all we had. But that's all I wanted, by the way. That was it. That was my prescription and my instruction because I didn't want my wife to go into a lot of detail, a lot of trouble. Here's the thing, though. The great thing about it was not the meal. The great thing about it was the people who were there. My children and my grandchildren on top of what I had gotten as far as the experience of being with these kids this week and, and, and their notes and cards and, and some of your notes and cards that have come in and, and, and reading them. And I thought to myself, I can't even measure how good this is. that I have a church family, that I have a, a family at home, that, 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 that I have the privilege of knowing the Lord and my sins are forgiven. I have a home in heaven. It's more than I can contain. That's how good God is. And that's how much he gives. He's a good God, isn't he? You can't outgive him. By the way, he's the God who furnished a table in the wilderness and he fed millions. He is the God who filled the widow's barrel of meal and sustained her crews of oil, providing food for her son and, the and her all through the famine. You see, God can feed the multitudes and he can feed you. He's the God who took the little lad's lunch, the five loaves and the few fishes, and he fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children who were there that day. And that same God can supply and sustain you. You see, I can bring the tithe into the storehouse with confidence in God's provision. He's going to take care of me. He's not failed anybody yet. I'm not going to be the first case. I can trust him. Well, let me give you the third thought. I can bring the tithe with confidence in God's protection. Not only will God provide for me, but he will protect me. 
Now, those farmers understood what it was like to work hard and, and, and sow the seed and see it begin to spring up. And then uh, a group of, of locusts come through and in and, and just a matter of hours devour everything they had worked for. could be a bird of prey. It could be a beast of the field coming in and destroying the crops. But God makes a promise to them. Look in verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. The Lord said, I'm going to protect your labor. I'm going to protect it. I'm the one who gives it, I provide, and I will protect. Look in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. The Bible says there, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust and dust, or where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. The Lord Jesus said, If you lay up your treasures on earth, You've got some things that are threatening to consume your treasure. The moth, rust, thieves, all examples of the devourer. The Lord said, if you will give to me, if you will trust me, I will protect your fruit. I will protect your family. Deuteronomy 8 verse 4, thy raiment wax not old upon thee. Forty years they were in the land of uh, I mean, they were in the wilderness, excuse me, 40 years in the wilderness, and God said, your, your clothing, your raiment wax not old. It didn't wear out in 40 years, 40 years in the desert. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 5, he said, and I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxing old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxing old upon thy foot. I imagine they walked a lot of miles in 40 years, wouldn't you think? with the same shoes, with the same shoes. They didn't have to go to the shoe repair store. There wasn't one in the wilderness anyway. God took care of them. Can that God take care of you? Absolutely. He can keep that refrigerator running another month. He can do it. He may choose not to, but God said, I will protect you. Notice what else he says. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. God said, I'll bring your fruit to a ripe harvest. It won't cast her fruit before the time. It won't be, uh, it won't be produced and stunted in its growth or unripe when you, when you harvest it. Your harvest will be protected. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Well, that, that leads me to the fourth thought, the final thought, and that is that I can bring the tithe with confidence in God's purpose. I can bring the tithe with confidence in God's purpose. Notice in verse 12. The Lord said, In all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. God said, When you honor me and I pour out the blessing on you, all the nations of the earth are going to look at you and they're going to say, That nation is blessed. 
I'd like to be there. I'd like to be in a place like that. And then God said, what they'll discover is that it's not the people and it's not the place, it's me. You see, God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees in Genesis chapter 12. And he called him and said, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. That's a new place. God has a new place in mind. And then he said, I will make of thee a great nation. That's a new people. You see, God has a place for us. And God is calling out a people to himself. That's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, and I, I'm going to give you a new provision. I will bless thee. You don't have to fend for yourself anymore. You don't have to look to the gods of this world. You can look to me, and I will make thy name great. Notice this, please, in, in uh, Genesis 2, in 12, in verse 2. Thou shalt be a blessing. There's a new purpose. That's the purpose for your life and mine. You know, we're not just here to be served and waited on. We're not here just to be made happy. We are here to be a blessing. Notice in verse 3, Genesis 12, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God said, I'm blessing you in order to make you a blessing. And when I bless you, all the nations of the earth will look to you and call you blessed. And they will wonder what is the secret of the blessing. And they will discover that it is me, God said. And when they discover it is me, then my purpose for raising you up as a nation and establishing you will be complete. And God has a purpose today. We can't lose sight of the purpose. It is that the church, the people of God, make him known to a lost and dying world. And our giving, our giving, our tithing can be done in accordance and in fulfillment of God's purpose. And so the Lord says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. He says, you can give with confidence. You can give in, with confidence in God's person. We can trust him. He'll do what he says. We can give with confidence in God's provision. God will bless and use the 90% you have more than the 10% you try to keep. Trust God. We can bring the tithe with confidence in God's protection. Friend, he has, he has, he has the power and the ability to, to protect our fruit, to keep that car running longer, to sustain us, to cause that dollar to go further than it ever could without him. And we can bring the tithe with confidence in God's purpose. His purpose and plan is through the local New Testament church. We are to make him known, and so may God help us. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.